Welcome birders, this is Ed Pullen, your host on the Bird Banner Podcast, where birders talk birding. This week, I have as my guest Mike Rush. Mike has set a formidable task for himself. He has set a goal of finding half of the birds available in every state in the United States. He's decided to exclude Alaska and Hawaii. He talks about that during the podcast. But for the lower 48 states, plus the District of Columbia, he is trying to find at least half of the species on the state checklist. To find half the birds in many states is 200, 250, 300 birds found in a state that you may live 2,000 miles away from. Mike has lived the last you know, several decades in New England, not very near places like Arizona, California, Texas, Washington, Oregon, states that are a long ways from where he lives. And the amount of effort that has been put in, has to have been put in, to try to accumulate half of the species in each of those states on your checklist is just phenomenal. I'm a little bit of a lister. I have an ABA checklist, a little bit of a world checklist, but I've become a county lister lately. County listing is fun. The counties in my state are nowhere near as far away as the states in the lower 48 are from wherever Mike is at the time, a lot of the times. So county listing is easier by far. That said, I don't have close to half the birds in each county in Washington and probably never will, but I'm having fun getting around the state. And I think Mike is really enjoying getting around the United States, seeing places he hasn't seen before, experiencing new places, new birding areas, really enjoying that. Last week, I went to Benton County. Benton County is a a county on the Columbia River in south central Washington, and it was my county with the lowest number of species seen. I only had only seen 19 species in Benton County before I went last week. And I got down to Benton County, it's about a four-hour drive from here, and planned on birding the rest of the day that I got there, staying overnight and birding the next day and driving home. So I got there after about a four-hour drive, about 10 in the morning, and went to Bateman Island. Bateman Island is the eBird hotspot with the largest number of species seen in Benton County. It's a really cool area. It's a big island in the Columbia River. It has a trail around the island, a little over two and a half miles long. And I got there, walked out across a a pathway onto the island, and spent several hours birding Bateman Island. Had a really good time. Cool place, get lots of different habitats. There's some dry, grassy areas in the middle. There was a fire there. Oh, I think... 10 or 15 years ago, so there aren't a lot of huge trees left. I saw left some open areas, prairie sorts of birds, because there's a lot of wetlands around the edges. I get to look out into the river, so you get some water birds. So I had, I think, over 50 species in my time on the island, most of which were first-time Benton County birds, and had a nice time. Found a Townsend solitaire, black-legged stilt, some of the better birds that I saw, but overall just got a nice variety of birds and went to a new place. New places are cool. Uh, I spent a little, brush, little bit of the rest of the day exploring a whole bunch of parks that are along Columbia Park Trail and a lot of little city parks, county parks along the side of the river. I uh, made a dash over to McNary National Wildlife Refuge in Walla Walla County. Wanted to get a couple of county birds over there. Did that. Had planned on spending more time there, but the trails were closed unexpectedly. And so I just made a quick stop there and drove back. It's only a few minutes uh, to the next county. And spent the rest of the day in the parks along Columbia. Uh, Got a good night's sleep and was up the next morning 
decided to go back to Bateman Island for a short time early in the morning and made a second stop at the Yakima River Delta. The Yakima River Delta is a, a well-known spot for shorebirds and waterfowl. It's a, a distant look at some of the places, but I, I managed to get lesser yellow legs and a few other uh, shorebirds and waterbirds and, and had a nice time there. But I, my main goal for the second day was to go to Rattlesnake Mountain. How can you not go to a place called Rattlesnake Mountain when it's right nearby? I wanted to get different habitat away from the water up into the agricultural areas and a little bit of elevation and had a really nice time driving around really pretty areas that I'd never been to before. Big sage is the, is the species I think of sage that's there and they are big sagebrush areas along with agricultural areas. Had big flocks of American pipits, lots of meadowlarks, uh, savannah sparrows, a handful of other birds. I just had a really nice time driving around that area and checking it out. Then drove home, spent the weekend. Saturday I did a little more county birding but really a state year birding. I uh, got my friend Marion and we went down to Cowlitz County to Woodland Bottoms where a ferruginous hawk had been seen. Ferruginous hawks are not common in Washington. I think they're only about 75 uh, nesting pair in the state and they're always seen in the eastern part of the state. Uh, west of the Cascades who have very few records of uh, ferruginous hawk and so when one was seen west of the Cascades, made a great time to go down. It was a beautiful day. We drove down, spent some time, got really good looks at the Ferruginous Hawk after not finding it for a long time in the morning. And we had gone elsewhere to look around, and, and my good friend uh, Bruce Labar gave me a call, said they found the bird back, dashed over, got nice looks and a few photographs of the Ferruginous Hawk, and had a really nice day doing that. So that was that. And then I'd come home uh, and had a chance to interview Mike Rash, so I think you'll enjoy listening to Mike. He's a really knowledgeable and interesting fellow who has a formidable task ahead of him and mostly behind him. He's got it mostly uh, accomplished, so I think you'll enjoy hearing his stories. Welcome to the Bird Banner Podcast, Mike Rash. Hey, Mike. Welcome to the Bird Banner Podcast. Thanks for being on with me. Oh, thanks, Ed. My pleasure. Mike, I heard about you from Blair Burnson. Blair is a, a friend of mine here in Washington and is doing this... Uh, episode trying to get to every state and see 50 birds with a birder in every state. I think he's going to write a book. Uh, and he just had nothing but great things to say about you and thought you'd be a good guest. So I'm excited to talk with you today. Oh, sure. That's great. I, I birded with Blair in a couple states back in New England and yeah, had, had loads of fun. So Mike, Blair told me about your uh, quest to find half the birds in every state in the United States. That just sounds unbelievable. <laughs> How are you doing on that? Uh, well, I'm, I, I'm getting there. So um, I, I revised my goal a little bit. Um, turns out that uh, Alaska and Hawaii would be really difficult to reach uh, yeah. reach those goals. Uh, I envisioned but, Alaska. Gosh, I mean, it seems like half the birds in Alaska are one and done are really rare stuff. That's right. And you, you would need to go uh, make many trips to far reaching areas at two at the end of the Aleutians or yes. Gamble Island yeah. and the Bering Sea and that kind of thing. That's right. right. Yeah, you've got a nice list in Alaska. I looked at your uh, numbers, and that's a good list, but boy, getting to half would be pretty tough. So what prompted, how did you ever get this idea? It sounds to the, I mean, I'm a lister, but my goodness, that is really, really overboard. How, to, how did you come up with the idea? Yeah, so you know, when, when I started birding, I was always um, interested in keeping lists of all the birds I saw, and I would keep lists of the all the different species I would have in each state and so forth. And um but it wasn't until I joined the ABA, the American Birding Association, right. uh, that I was kind of bitten by this bug. So 
So years ago, uh, up until a few years ago, they they would report um, your totals that you saw in, in any given state, but only if you reached the threshold of being half of that total uh, list for that state. Oh, wow. And, okay. Um, so, so back, back in the, in the early days, this is now dating back in the eighties timeframe. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, I, I reached that ABA reportable threshold in just a couple of three states or so. And right. I thought, boy, wouldn't it, wouldn't it be exciting, like a lifelong goal to reach that reportable threshold in each and every state. And, oh, okay. um, and that was where I sort of started that, that goal. And that was, um, uh, back in the eighties. And like I said, at the time, only a couple states and right. you know, I'm up to 47 that I reached. Oh my goodness. What, what's your, uh, one, uh, lower 48 state to, to go to? Um, yeah. So, um, so Montana is the first one that comes to mind. I've never been to the mountains of Western Montana and, uh, okay. that's, uh, I've been to Eastern parts of the state, but not the mountains, very different birds in the Western oh, yes. part in, in the mountains. And, um, so uh, that's that's that remains, and um, uh, DC also counts as one of its uh, state. Oh, you're right. District, okay, but so they actually have forty nine lower, forty nine states and districts. Oh, I hadn't so, thought about that. Yes. Yeah. So um, so I actually need two. The other one is Oregon. Um, Oregon. Uh, okay. Similar to Montana, uh, there's a part of the state in Oregon's case, the eastern part that I've never been eastern, to. Yeah. I'm, I'm from Washington and I'm from Washington. Same idea. We have a Eastern part of the state and the Western part of the state and the birds are very different. Exactly. And, uh, and as a result, I've got a real good list in Oregon. I've been there many times, but only in the Western half or so of the state. So, okay. Well, you'll enjoy Malheur if you go there. Malheur is a wonderful place. Got Uh, bad press, got bad press lately with the, the, uh, you know, the, Milita- militants or whatever you call it, militias taking it over, right. <laughs> closed down for a couple of years. But boy, it's a wonderful place to go birding. Yeah. So in fact, I had planned to go there that year after the militants were there. And oh I my goodness. Okay. That, uh, places would be closed down or not accessible. It, it was for a year or two. I think it's opening up again now. I think it's probably accessible now though. That's required, obviously, a fabulous amount of travel for you to do this. How did you pull that off? Did you just do it little by little, or, or did you take segments of the U.S. and take long trips, or how did you go about it? Um, yeah, so the, the key uh, to the whole thing was um, various positions I've worked at over the years have always had a lot of travel, or I've selected positions that had a lot of travel. Maybe it oh, had. okay. And what I'd often do on almost all my trips is um, – Add at least a couple hours, if not a couple days, uh, to the trip. Do some birding. And, yes. Um, so sometimes I truly add a couple extra days, take a couple days vacation, that kind of thing. In other sure. cases, it's just after dinner I'd go out and bird sneaking somewhere out when you could. Right. Yeah. Right. And, so um, wow, a job that could from, take you to every state—that's quite a job. What did you do for a living? Uh, yeah. So I was uh, worked in the environmental business. I was an environmental engineer. And uh, okay. Then at the end, I was in sales. I would go out and visit uh, clients, uh, hopefully to sell our environmental services to those clients. And, All right. And uh, that took me around uh, to uh, lots of locations. And and uh, I, I, I do have to admit, I would um, uh, talk to my client and, uh, you know, if, if I needed to get to a certain part of some certain state, I'd try to make sure that they, they had a facility I needed to visit there, you know, so I <laughs> try, to, try yes. to cross those paths. Yeah. I talked to Tammy and uh, 
uh, Tammy and I think it's Tammy and Dave McQuaid, the lower 48 year listers uh, in the last few years, and uh, they're financial advisors, and they, they made sure they had clients in every state. So <laughs> good reasons to get around. Uh, so that's cool. Uh, so what states have been especially challenging for you? What's, uh, you know, have you had some nemesis states that have required many trips or? Um, yeah, you know, so the first thing that comes to mind are the big states like California and Texas. And yeah, um, it, it's, it's not so much, right. It's not so much that the birds are difficult to find there. It's just that those states are so large, they encompass so many habitats, so many regions. And um, right. You know, if you want to get a good list there, you have to at least spend a little time in virtually all those regions and so forth. And, right. and um, Texas comes to mind. It's it's my biggest single list, um, but it's I saw that. With lots of travel, though, lots of lots of uh, yeah. West um, Texas and the coast Texas. and the Lower Rio exactly. Grande. I mean, there's just I mean the the piney. What do they call it? The the, not the Piney Woods, but the... It, it, that's it, the Piney Woods. In North, North Piney Woods, yeah, the area up north of Houston. It's uh, a lot of different areas there that have great birds, but not the same ones you'll find in other places. That's right. Yeah. That's right. And Texas, what is that? I'm going to Texas this winter for a month. I, I've mostly retired, so I'm going to take a month and stay in, in uh, McAllen this winter. So I'm pretty excited about that. That should be oh, fun. Excellent. Yeah, that's um, the lower Rio, Rio Grande Valley is just a superb place to bird. It is. It is. Uh, so you also uh, have a spectacular New England list. I understand. I, I looked at your blog. It sounds like you just moved to North Carolina from uh, from New England, uh, and your New England birding, uh, you know, state lists are pretty phenomenal. Uh, yeah. Thanks. Um, yeah. So you know, I moved to New England in '93. I was already into state birding at the time, and um, and when I realized the plans were coming together, I thought, so first of all, all these reasonably small states are so close to each other it's right it'd be um comparatively easy to get to all the different states and i lived in central massachusetts and um oh, so farthest, it's not far from everywhere yeah exactly that's right the farthest state was just an hour and 15 minutes away from me the <laughs> state lines were of course and yeah. um Ma makes so those I, of us on the west coast uh, seem like that's a tiny little place right right but yeah by comparison um yeah i always wondered what i would if i was to get into state birding if I lived in, I don't know, central Texas or something somewhere. That it's just so <laughs> Almost live in a country of your own. Yeah. Right, right. But the key thing in New England, so, you know, I started state listing there and so forth. And, uh, but then I met a, a gentleman uh, who's a longtime New Hampshire birder, uh, Denny Abbott. Um, okay. The gentleman passed away early this year, I'm afraid. But um, uh, when I met him back in the mid 90s, uh, Denny uh, had a goal of seeing. 2000 uh, have 2000 total ticks so the sum of his state lists in the six states right and um and i thought wow what a, what a phenomenal goal i'll try that as well um sure. so uh denny and i birded together uh, many many times over the years and um denny just uh, accumulated an awesome list 2250 oh my goodness this is list and um I ended up uh, when I left there at uh, 2077. So it's, um, you know, it's a big list. Great list, but uh, nothing yeah. close to what Denny's uh, list, which will never be matched. But but he and I chased after, um, I don't know how many rarities that would show up. We would uh, get word of some kind of rarity somewhere in New England and get in one of the two cars and just hop off and, off and go. And go. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. The first rule of chasing is go now or don't complain because uh, 
the quicker you get there, the better your chances are. That's right. That's very true. Yeah. So very cool. Uh, so tell, do you have some stories, uh, some, uh, you know, really cool trips you've been on in different states? What have been some of your favorite parts of this, uh, this quest? Um, yeah. So, you know, what, one, of, one of the great things about it um, is that I get to go to areas that tourists don't normally go to. Um, you know, so, for instance, one of, one of my strategies is to uh, get to a corner or an edge of a state. And what that right. means is that puts me real close to the next state over as well. So it's easy mm-hmm. with just two states and one, one trip. Right, right. And then uh, or three or four or five states in one trip, depending on yes. what they are. Um, so some of the, the great places I've gone to, like the western end of the panhandle of Oklahoma. Right. For instance, um, so most people would think of Oklahoma as a you know, flat, uh, semi-arid kind of area. But right. when you get to the western edge of the panhandle, you're, you're barely into the mountains there. And, and you get a very unique set of birds that um, literally are nowhere else, at least usually, in, in Oklahoma. In Oklahoma, and, uh, sure. So um, another example of that is uh, in Reno, Nevada, uh, just outside Reno, if you know your geography of Nevada, a little Reno, bit which kind of sits in like the little corner, you know, just tucked inside near Lake Tahoe right. in California. There's a right. tiny little sliver of the Sierra Nevadas that barely gets into Nevada. And, okay. uh, you know, most people think of Nevada like Las Vegas and, and the sure. extremely dry desert and maybe a few desert birds. But this little slice of the Sierras, uh, if you go there, you had quite a number of birds that really nowhere else, you know, within Nevada. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. um, you know, most people might go to Lake Tahoe or certainly go to Las Vegas or whatever, but just, you know, going to that tiny little piece um, of the Sierras just to work on your Nevada state list is, uh, is pretty unique, I think. Very cool. That is, yeah. you're talking the, the area with the, uh, oh, the snowcock up by the rubies? Um, no, no, this is, um, so that, that would be, um, farther north and east, um, in okay. Eastern Nevada, a bird I've never seen by the way. Um, but, um, no, this would be in the, the Western edge, uh, of the state, uh, close to, uh, well, right on the California border, close to Reno. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I'm not very good with geography. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I did, I did take a, a, a small group from here went off to see the new, uh, the new crossbill, Cassius crossbill and, uh, a side trip from there dashed down to elk, Elko, I think. And, uh, then up into the rubies for the snowcock. It was a pretty fun oh, trip. So you saw the snowcock. Yeah. That's, that's, I did. that'll be my list yeah. someday. Yeah. It's a, uh, I'll warn you when you go, go the night, go the day before and find the trail. It is very hard to find that trail. Uh, my friend and I, we got there, there's four of us, and he and I, we got there, and it looked like the trail was straight ahead, and we're charging up the trail, because it's supposed to be there when the sun comes up, and one of the women with us said, Ken, Ed, do you think we should look at this map? <laughs> There's a little map on a sign, and we go, ooh, this is not the right trail. So we spent an hour and a half in the dark looking for this trail, <laughs> couldn't find it until the sun came up, and then raced up the mountain just in time to find the snowcock. So it was locate the trail early on. (laughs) Right. Yeah. So, so Nevada was pretty special. What other States have been, uh, you know, unexpected or had different stories from? Um, yeah. So, you know, a a couple things come to mind. Um, there's some uh, great places with, uh, with migrant traps. So these are areas that, um, 
uh, either spring or fall migration, uh, birds will come into low o- oases uh, right. that, um, that are otherwise, in the, maybe a, um, it could be a roadside rest stop. Um, had some great times in uh, places in southeast Mexico, for instance. Uh, mm-hmm. It uh, just happened to hit migration at the right, right time and just get loaded with not only the common local birds you expect, but you know, an odd rarity here and there, you know, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, same thing happened to me in Las Vegas. Um, there's a, um, a small oasis north of, uh, of the city of Las Vegas that okay. uh, I just happened to be there the right day that one spring and uh, uh, just just many, many, many warblers and finches and sparrows and kingbirds and so forth. Very so cool. On. You know, California is sort of famous for those places, you know, Death right. Valley and uh, various various hotspots, uh, Borrega Springs and different different oases out in the desert. Right. And even in the east, you know, a place like uh, Cape May, uh, if you can, you can hit it on the way, oh. kind of migration conditions, that um, it's you know, just spectacular um, numbers of birds. Cape, and yeah, species. Cape May, it has to be one of my favorite places to, to go birding. I've, I've only been there once, but it was just crazy. I mean, just hot raptors and ma- migrant passerines just everywhere. The, the morning, have you been to the morning flight? I'm sure you have. I have, yeah. Uh, is that crazy or what? Yeah. Right, right. Just yeah, it can be amazing if, if conditions are right. Yeah, little tiny birds zipping by you, and people who are have unbelievable ears naming them as they fly by. Right, right, and and then of course you always wonder, like, okay, so who's going to question them? It's like they, yeah, that, that is, <laughs> you know, whatever yeah, we're doing, like there were ninety-seven thousand uh, of this, and sixty-two thousand of that. It's like. Whoa. Okay. I saw little specks. Right. <laughs> That's fun. That's fun. So you've really gotten around Mike. Uh, and now you moved to North Carolina. What prompted your move? Is it a place to retire or family or work? Uh, yeah, it's a place to retire. And, um, uh, the beginnings or thoughts with my, my wife was, uh, was done with the new England winters and, um, uh, yeah, and and the snow that lasts for months and months and that kind of thing. Yeah, I gr- I grew up in Maine. I'm very familiar. Ah, there you go. Um, and and I was um, I'm okay with the snow, but then the other side is I was uh, running out of new birds to see in New England. There were only yeah, so yeah. many rarities left, and I mean certainly there's still the Carolinas are very very diverse states too. They've got the mountains, not like we have mountains out here, but mountains and coast and pelagics, all sorts right. of stuff and, to do there. Yeah, and, and we're in. Um, just outside Asheville, uh, which is in the mountains in Western North Carolina. Oh, and, very uh, nice. So it shouldn't be brutally hot there. I wouldn't think, uh, you know, yeah, get a little it, elevation. It, exactly. With the elevation that, uh, the dew points stay lower and the, the temps stay lower as well. And, and, um, and then, uh, with my state birding interests, you know, we've got lots of states that come together, you know, in yes. the area as well. So, so you, you, he'll be a little bit farther than new England driving, but still not too far. Right, right, and uh, and in retirement, I've got more time to do that as well. For sure, for sure. So, what states are you going to target in the southeast, especially in the next few months? Um, yeah, so you know, I already have pretty good lists in the southeast, but um, but there's always more state birds to go for, and uh, mm-hmm. so even just here in, in North Carolina, I've already picked up eight, eight new birds since I've moved here in the last month. And uh, oh, wow, pretty cool. And a couple of those are in my backyard. I um, um, I'm still, of course, getting to know the area, but it's turning out that um, uh, 
my backyard is a pretty nice birding spot. I, I, um, I live east of the um, town of Hendersonville. And um, okay. I think that can get to appreciate kind of the geography here. So it's, it's uh, lots of agricultural area, lots of apple orchards, in fact. But okay. we live on uh, this one isolated mountain, which is heavily forested. It's not a giant mountain, but it's, it's, it's an extra 800 feet or so in elevation rising up above mm-hmm. the apple orchards. And I'm beginning to think uh, that uh, this uh, little tiny mountain is like this miniature oasis, you know, like the New Mexico and Las Vegas stories right. I said earlier. Yeah, yeah, and, very uh, nice. I've just been sitting in my on the deck in my backyard, and big flocks of warblers coming through, and other things as well. And uh, so I'm I'm hopeful that that will be a if I can't go out birding somewhere, I can just do it in my backyard. Yeah, that, that's that good things like that. I live in Tacoma, Washington, so I've got the the commencement bay right here. So my not really my backyard, but within a real long stone's throw of my my condo that I live in is a a lot of uh, you know seabirds. So that's very nice too. Nice. So having having good birds that you can walk to is very nice. Exactly. Yeah. So uh, do you have any big trips coming up this year, Mike? Um, not yet this year, um, but um, I took the, took the year off from a lot of my birding trips to, to get mm-hmm. ready to move, to sell the house, sure. to buy the next one and so forth. Right. Um, for a number of years, what I've been doing is uh, I take one either spring or summer trip to do nothing but state birding. So I focus on right. one state or two adjacent states or what have you. Mm-hmm. And um, so I'm already starting to plan for next, likely to be next June. Um, Montana and uh, Oregon are not far apart. There you go. That's right. Especially, and, especially and, Eastern Oregon. And and Western Montana get really close. And yeah, they're, they're all, Idaho yeah, in they between. almost touch. You, you read, read my mind. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, 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 I know, I know I can see it. I, I'm a, I'm a family doctor. I know how addictions work. I, I can see how you think. <laughs> So that, that's the plan for next next June. And um, one, one of these trips I do, I spent hundreds and hundreds of hours of planning and research and all that kind of stuff. Uh, oh, I'm sure you do. Together. And, um, and of course, needing to be flexible because you never know if things change. I got to chase, or... chase the eBird, you know, always uh, right. can change your plans at the last minute. Right. Or uh, whether it gets too rainy or stormy or windy yeah. or what have you. Gotta exactly. Or you find things easier than you thought you would and you don't need that extra day. That's right. Not a good trip. That's true. It's very, very true. Um, so, so you've also done some uh, trip leading. It sounds like, have you? Um, uh, yeah, yeah, sure have. So, um, you know, the, all the various clubs I've been part of over the years of led trips, and uh, uh, and you know, whether it's novice birders or you know, more uh, uh, more experienced birders and the like, and um, and with all the experience that I've gained doing all this research that I do each for each, all these trips and so right. forth. Um, I thought, boy, wouldn't it be nice now that I'm retired that I start my own company to help, um, put, uh, put some of that experience, uh, in action and especially that oh, research. Okay. And, um, so you've, uh, so you're, you're gonna not only lead trips in person, but also help people plan their trips. Yeah, exactly. So, so, um, I'm just That's a great start- service. Yeah, just starting to get the company off the ground, so I'm still struggling to get get a website up, for instance, and like. Okay. But, uh, well, I, I I I have some experience with websites, so if you need a little help, I would be happy to pitch in. I I know uh, uh, WordPress pretty well, 
and uh, ah. that's that's a a nice nice free it's you know open source free resource for making websites and it's it's once you get the knack of it it's pretty good but there are some kind of stumbling blocks I can I'd be happy to you know pitch in if I can be helpful in that um, yeah I'll, I'll take your help on that I the, the one I tried uh, turned out to be a lot more complicated than I expected so it's uh, so I yeah I, I, I can chance. recommend WordPress I think it's pretty pretty good good deal yeah good. I think um, yep go ahead sir no, uh, I was saying nowadays it's, you know, there are pretty good bird finding guides to just about every state. I mean, I haven't, I'm sure there might be some states that don't have either a lane guide or something roughly equivalent by the local ornithological society or something, but boy, you know, in the eighties that, that didn't happen. How did you do your research in those days? Um, yeah, so, so you're absolutely right. So there might have been some, uh, you know, written bird guides out there, but, um, they can get dated so so quickly. Um, you know, the habitats change and you know that kind of thing. Right. And um, and like you said, in, in many locations, there's just no guides at all. And, um, so I, I would very heavily rely on input from local birders, and uh, mm-hmm. and I'd get uh, names of birders off uh, the various listservs that each state might have, and so forth. And uh, yeah, yeah, right. Um, get their advice initially. You know, what what are the good birding locations or hotspots and the like. Right. And, um, and then as my list got bigger, it was more searching for individual species rather than going to a new habitat or you know, right. a new national park or state park or you know, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, it was, it was, uh, you know, I, I uh, the input from local birders was just extremely valuable. And, and in almost every case all around the country, the, the local birders, you know, were just all, all too willing to help and, show their own little part of the world, you know, to, to a visit. Yeah, we all, we all like to show off our own special places. That's nice. Exactly. That's right. That's nice. Uh, so uh, you've got Oregon and, uh, and Montana coming up. Uh, other, other, you know, things you're hoping to do? Uh, yeah, you want so, to work on more? Yeah. So certainly now I'm kind of replacing my New England goal with the uh, kind of birding the Southeast states mm-hmm. uh, and try to squeeze in a few there. Um, one of my, uh, a longer term goal too is to get uh, to get to fifteen thousand total ticks. So um, total ticks is sort of an ABA lingo phrase, right? It's, uh, right. Yeah. Just some of the stateless and province lists. Right. And, I have I have some birders who aren't, uh, uh, but some listeners who aren't avid birders or uh, uh, listers for sure. So a tick is defined as a bird in a specific area. So if I've seen 350 birds in Washington, that would be 350 state ticks. Uh, I, you know, just just so people fully understand. Thanks. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Right. And uh, yeah, so I think ticks is like a tick mark on a checklist. You know, when you check exactly. That's where it came checklist. from. Yeah. yeah. Um, so uh, a long time ago, I wanted to reach 10,000, and I flew by that number a long time ago. And, and now it's 15,000 is my latest goal. Mm-hmm. I'm uh, about 300 shy, so um, okay. That my Montana Washington trip will get about 70 or 80, I think. So okay, uh, um, there's a couple uh, Canadian provinces that I haven't done much in, and uh, Saskatchewan and Manitoba are the two key, right. key ones that I got only about 40 or 50 in each of those provinces. So uh, yeah, there's some low hanging fruit there. Exactly. That's right. And and then elsewhere, there's you can get just a few here and there, no matter where right. I go to. Uh, but yeah. but it, there's it, not a lot in, in most other locations. 
I've done a fair number of big days, and it's always amazing how uh, you can go to a place and just there's always one or two just gimme birds. You just think you, you, they're a category one or even maybe two. You're sure you're going to get them, and you just don't. You know, you just don't for some reason. Yeah. So I'm sure right, there yeah. are some of those for you too. Yeah, there's a, there's a few, but like you said, um, you know, it, when the, the birder says, oh, it's guaranteed or you, you can't miss it. I, I hate those phrases because then you're just, <laughs> the pressure's on, you know, that yeah. you truly can't miss that one. Yeah, but you can't. But you can. But but you can, certainly can, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Uh, have you done a lot of pelagic birding, Mike? Um, you know, a, a little bit. Um, I, I'm not a water person. Um, mm hmm so I've uh, done a few pelagic trips, but I think I'm, I've, I've retired from my pelagic birding days as well. So I, I think that's, Okay. That's so that, yeah. 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 Do you get seasick? Uh, you know, uh, I'm going to knock wood here, but I've never gotten seasick on a boat. Oh, it's okay. Just, um, I just, just not your thing. Just not my thing. Um, I've been on one pelagic trip on the Pacific. It was out of uh, Santa Barbara, California years ago. And... Mm -hmm. uh, the trip started with 15 foot seas. Oh and, my, um, they should yeah. have stayed in. <laughs> and uh, it, it calmed considerably later in the day, but but just just the stress of having to deal with 15 foot seas. Uh, it can beat you up. Yeah. Right. Had some great uh, birds on that trip, don't get me wrong, but it's at the same time, I thought, okay, I think I'm, I think I'm done. <laughs> so, you're going to bird with two feet on, on a solid platform. Right, right. And there are some great pelagic birding out of North Carolina. I've, I've never been. Oh yeah, that's that's on my. I mean, I I'm not a big pelagic birder, but I do like it. And uh, uh, my good birding friend Ken Brown and I are hoping every year we say we're going to make it to North Carolina for the spring blitz. But I think we're going to do it next year. So I'm hopeful. Yeah, the seas just can be really, really difficult uh, off North Carolina. So it's just mm -hmm. be ready. Yep. I've heard, but I've heard a lot of times it's uh, glassy seas and the heat's the big problem. So I think it's unpredictable. Right. I agree. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so Mike, thanks so much for talking with me. Do you have any uh, tips you'd share for people who, uh, you know, want to, are going to a state and want to put up a good list? How do you, how do you do your research? Um, yeah. You know, so, so eBird these days is just a sure. tremendous, uh, tremendous source. Um, so if you've never been to an area, um, you know, you, could, you might have two different objectives. One might be specific species you want to find. You mentioned for right. instance, the, the Cassius crossbill. Um, right. And, and if that's the case, you can go onto eBird and look for um, information on the, on the crossbill and see where uh, it's most likely to be found. And right. often people will put notes in there about here, exactly where they found it or how they found it or, you know, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, Kind of a different, whole different objective could be um, you're new to a state or you have a day off during a trip to see the family. You just want to do some good birding. Right. And, um, in that case, again, going back to eBird, uh, eBird has hot spots. Uh, right. With those. And, yeah, absolutely. Uh, and they're, they're color coded. So the darker red and yeah. orange they are, the more species that have been seen in that spot. So what I'll right. do if I've never been to an area... Um, so, for instance, I've signed up for a Carolina's Bird Club trip uh, this coming weekend. Okay. Which is, um, in this case, it's in South Carolina on the coast near Charleston. And mm -hmm. uh, trying to do a little research, I just key in on the hot spots that are, that are the darker orange. So that means more right. species. And, um, uh, you know, that's a starting point, of course, but still that helps to kind of 
key in on some of the best voting right yeah i do the same thing yeah that's that's a really good resource and and of course the state bird guides it can be really helpful too some of them you know literally lay out a a route for you to take so right there's i've used those sometimes too quite a number of um state related websites now that um uh, that if you can maybe they're on the state attach the Audubon page that from the state chapter or some local ornithological right. society or, you know, that kind of thing. And, and they can uh, mention some birding hotspots or birding trails, even uh, with multiple mm-hmm. sites. Kind of right. Together. A lot of states now have the birding trails. Washington has two or three different ones. So. Right. And uh, yeah, North Carolina, for instance, now has, uh, has one that I'm, I'm just starting to understand. And, you know, I've only been here a month, but it's, you know, it's just lots of places to, uh, try to bird locally and then it is good good so so that's helpful i i think a lot of more experienced birders have a good feel for using ebird but to to beginners it's a terrific resource i mean you can you can nail down to you know if you're going to be at a hot spot you can when you go to the bar graphs you can click on the month you're going to be there and it sorts out by that and it can be really you know give you a really good idea of what to expect right and that you know that's some of the research i do um for um for my clients, you know, in the case where uh, I'm handing them the research um, and they go birding on their own, and, right? Uh, so you know, they can explain to me either what species they're looking for or what areas they want to go to or general type of habitat or you know that kind of right. thing. Right. I would I would think you might even want to add a a list of local guides that you could refer them to, maybe even for people yeah. who want that. You know, there that would be a good good addition to your. Uh, list of services you can provide to people. Right. Right. Yeah. Very good point. That's right. Good. Well, Mike, thanks again so much for being on the podcast today. I really appreciate it. Uh, is there a way uh, people can reach out to? Do you have a website name yet for your website? Uh, I, I don't, but I do have a blog. And I can okay. Oh, yes. Uh, com- tell us what that is again. Um, yeah. So it's statebirding.blogspot.com. Okay. Is Very well. L-O-G-S-P-O-T. Right. I'll make sure I put a link to that in the podcast notes. Uh, would you like me to put your email at the at on the uh, web on the blog on the excuse me on the podcast notes, or would you prefer not to have your email out there like that? Oh no, no, that, that's fine. Uh, yeah, until I can get the website up, um, that's, that's right. the best way to reach me. Okay, I'll do that. Well, thanks so much, Mike. I really appreciate it. Uh, and uh, once again, thanks again for being a guest on the Bird Banner Podcast. Great, Ed. Thanks so much. I really enjoyed it. Well, that wraps up the Bird Banner Podcast, episode number 33 with Mike Rush. I hope you enjoyed. I certainly did. Mike is inspirational. I mean, the things he's done, finding so many birds in so many places all across the lower 48. He's also undertaking this Canada provinces. Holy mackerel. What a, what a task. He is loving it and rocking that task. Good job, Mike. Had fun talking to him. Uh, I'll make sure I leave links in the podcast notes to things we talked about. I also r- usually write a blog post on birdbanner.com where you can find other information uh, and insight to each episode check that out. Also be sure to follow me on Bird Banter on Facebook, where I tend to leave uh, information between posts and other cool stuff that you might enjoy. So check it out. Until next time, good birding. Good day.